You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. And welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. After yesterday's Mariners game, I mean, goodness. Ah, excitement. Lots of up and down there. The Seahawks regular season begins later today. There's already some fans that we saw heading to the game as we got into the studio here today. The storm season ended. I mean, that feels like it was a month ago. It doesn't even feel like it was this past week, right? I mean... That took place. I'm still recovering, so yeah, we'll, it doesn't we'll, feel that. We'll take a week before we recap that. Uh, the Sounders got a huge win against the second-seeded Austin FC, well, second, second place team in the MLS Western Conference. The Rain had a draw with Chicago, which is kind of man, but, you know, I'll, I'll take the draw over the loss any day. Regardless, like another big week. All of these teams uh, that are currently in uh, actual playing are – in a playoff hunt or we're in the playoffs with the storm. So, I mean, these are meaningful games. These are all meaningful games that are taking place and hoping that the Seahawks are going to be playing meaningful games as the season rolls on. But that, you know, we're week one of technically 18 because of bye week. Someone reminded us last week, technically 18, but I was more factoring in the actual games, 17. So it's a long week. It all starts with a big matchup. And Bell, why don't we just kind of get into our Seahawks as we are uh, preparing for Monday Night Football tonight? Yeah. So, of course, as we all probably know, Russell Wilson is in town for tonight's matchup against the Denver Broncos. Um, And we'll have more on that here, but we'll dive into some injury news first. So on our injury report, out is Tyler Ott with a shoulder injury and Alan Robinson with a knee injury. Um, Are those injuries or just kind of do we know what the basis of the Well, so Tyler Ott is your long snapper, which... Injuring your long snapper is never good. Right. I know that uh, uh, they signed somebody um, to take that role for tonight. He's been elevated off the practice squad. Uh, I believe Ott's been talking about surgery because I think it popped out the shoulder. Ooh. So that's not good. I was reading about Alton Robinson. That could be a long-term thing, which is also not good. So those right. two, you know, out for this game, you know, some of the games, it's like some injuries, it's like, oh, you're out for one game. Right. Those two might be longer term than just this week one matchup against Denver, which is not good. That's unfortunate. Um, we move on to a doubtful. Um, Artie Burns is doubtful with his groin. Um, questionable. We have Kenneth Walker third, of course, with that hernia issue. And then Damian Lewis with a knee ankle issue. So moving on to some team notes here. The team captains were officially named. Were there any names that surprised you to see on the list? Not really. I mean, maybe I think if... Hmm. Kind of, <laughs> kind of, actually. You know, that we look at it again here. We can see the list. Tyler Lockett on offense. Uh, defensively, Quandre Diggs and Al Woods get the captain C on their chest. And on special teams, Nick Ballore. I guess I'd say I was surprised at Woods and Ballore. More so is that I didn't, out of the current group, on defense, maybe you think Jordan Brooks takes that role. Sure. Maybe he's not ready for that yet. Um Nick Ballore. Nick's a funny guy. I don't know how much of you seen that on uh, any of the Seahawks socials or his no. Twitter. You should follow Nick on Twitter. He's yeah. got some funny stuff okay. about DK. Um, 
But I don't know who you'd necessarily take that role in the special teams because your special teams group is, uh, you know, outside of your specialists with Jason Myers, Michael Dixon, Tyler Rott. It's like, who takes that spot? And Belor plays defensively as well. He's one of your, like, three inside linebackers on the depth chart right now. So maybe it's just because he's kind of been around. He's got a good command of a bunch of different spots on this roster. That's where that comes from. And he, he held that captain position last season too, I thought. Yes. Right? Yeah. 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 So perhaps no surprise there, but on offense, how lock it makes sense. Uh, our buddy, Jimmy thought that maybe DK could wear that in a little I, bit. What, I yeah. don't doubt that. I figure that's something that comes maybe next year. Um, but Lockett Tyler has been, I mean, at this point on the offense, now he's one of the longer tenured guys, yeah, which is funny yeah. to think about. Um, he recently got engaged. So congratulations to Tyler on that. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, perhaps one of your, your, perhaps your most steady guy on this offense and I agree. always seems to be a really calm and like even keeled presence. So I, I think that's a good pick. Quandre is a great guy. Uh, as a football player and just from a leadership standpoint, he's also funny on Twitter. Um, Al is a longtime veteran has, I think this is his third stint with Seattle and he's a great, great defensive tackle up the middle. So, I mean, they all make sense when I think about them, but when I saw the list, I was like, Al Woods. Interesting. <laughs> I was, cause I kind of think we'll see Brooks take that over here yeah, sooner rather than sure. later, but perhaps it's not that time yet. Yeah. We'll move on to some more team news here. On September 6th, Tyler Lockett made his opinion known that he believes that Seattle fans should actually cheer for Russell Wilson. I know there have been some polls about how he should be received. So, yeah, that's Lockett's position on everything. He thinks that we should give Wilson a warm welcome when he returns. Of course, he's brought a Super Bowl here you know they did win he's had some accomplishments here so what do you what do you think is going to happen I know that the argument is you know with with the Super Bowl related question I mean related uh comment you know the defensive obviously the Legion of Boom you had uh solid receiving core and Jermaine Kirst Doug Baldwin uh Sidney Rice got injured earlier in that year uh obviously Marshawn Lynch is mostly your offense Mm -hmm. there but you know, if you don't, if you have Matt Flynn, do you think you win a Super Bowl? I don't really think so. Um, and just the, you know, if you want to look at it and encapsulate his time in Seattle, the time at the Children's Hospital yeah, and yeah. the years here, I think more of the frustration is obviously with how it went out, you know, how it all took place. And we'll get to this report here in a minute that was kind of a bombshell in the extent on the 8th. But it's more about how things fell out how a bunch of the senior defensive players were kind of like, he's getting basically babied by Pete Carroll um, and how it seemed like it was more of a individual thing, more of a, my career, my stuff off the field my rather than yeah. yes, accolades precisely rather than winning, you know, and trying to get back to that Super Bowl because there's a reports. Uh, I don't remember, if, you know, if you remember it, I think it was chiefs uh, Buccaneers when uh, last time the Buccaneers mm-hmm. won it and he was sitting there in the, uh, in some suite with Roger Goodell and he just, he looks pissed. He looks absolutely livid. And he said later that, oh, yeah, I was pissed because I was watching these guys and I want to win a Super Bowl. I want to be down there on the field. Yeah. But then you get to this report that we're going to read and it's like, do you care more about who you're because he did talk about legacy, too. So it's a whole thing. I think more of the issue with people is how things went out, because with Bobby Wagner, it's like he didn't want to leave. He he would stay and 
Seattle made. I still don't like that decision. I still don't like how that went down. But you would receive him with oh a yeah welcoming. Bobby Wagner yeah. would get a cheer here, regardless. Yeah. I know that it's exactly. the Rams and they're a division rival still, and just again they're the Rams. But yes, Bobby Wagner, you know, absolutely compared to Russell Wilson. However you choose to receive him later today, or if you're watching this, <laughs> however that goes down, that's on you. That's okay to you, which is interesting to me because uh, Pete Carroll said that he didn't take a stance. He said, however they do it, I'll follow them. Oh. It's like interesting. But so we'll get to that. I know Pete says something else here we'll look at. Yeah. Um, and then there's the fallout, which again, to me was kind of eye-opening because I figured I remember we were here. There were the reports the week of the draft that he wasn't getting traded. He said he wasn't getting traded. John Schneider said he wasn't getting traded. And I look wrong. You know, I got some Niner fans in the comments. I mean, how's Trey, how's Trey Lance doing? I don't know. He's not doing mm, too week well. One didn't look good. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you're going to be wrong in this business, you know? Um, but it was, I don't know. It's interesting how it all went down. I'm just, you know, We'll see how that goes. Anyway, I'm rambling. On. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Pete Carroll did make a comment about the team and where it stands. Um, and he believes that the Seahawks can be a 10 win team still. So what are your what are your opinions or what do you how, how do you think the <laughs> no. season goes? No, no, not 10 wins. I think at most you get seven to eight. OK, that's my bar is seven to eight. I'm not. Because what, in betting, that's like seven and a half? Ten, no. No, I don't think that that's a possibility. Um, I know we were going to look through the season here. But if we just look at this, con, I mean, you play Atlanta. Atlanta's got a bad roster. Uh, I know they had a lead over the Saints, and they blew that lead. It's typical Atlanta fashion, as we'll get to the Mariners segment here later on in the yeah. later on in the, the show. But, I mean, you look at this, you, you do play that New Orleans team. You play the Niners twice. And the, the division games, none of those teams are easy. Um, LA. Yeah. Okay. You play the, play the chiefs. Not so that's a loss there. The jets. Sure. You could take that one. The Panthers, not too sure. They gave the Browns a good fight. You play the Raiders. Uh, That's a good roster too. Uh, And they pushed the chargers. They pushed the chargers. I thought that the chargers had that one and they were able to come back a bit. Um, Oh, I see. Um, (laughs) That, that Buccaneers game in Munich. It's Tom Brady. You know, how much are you going to say with Tom Brady? The Giants, you can beat them. Mm, Saquon Barkley. They had a come. No, were they the ones that had to come back one yesterday? They, well, one of them. They did come back. Yeah. They did come back. Uh, you play that Chargers team. You play the Saints. Probably could beat the Lions, but the Lions are going to be scrappy. Um, scrappy. So I don't, I don't think you can beat 10 wins. I personally. <laughs> Well, I was um, going to be more on the hopeful side and I was going to possibly agree with Pete. But after going through the schedule, I'm, I think Chargers, we'll wait to see how Bucks. week one goes in this matchup before to really gauge where the team is at. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Because again, with preseason, you know, you're seeing obviously it was like, OK, there's some wide receivers that need to figure things out. There's the quarterback situation, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm sure by the time we get to a week, two or three, you'll see, you know, a bunch of guys who weren't playing. We didn't see Jordan Brooks at all in the preseason or Kenneth Walker, little to no Rashad Penny. Right. Um, so it's like, you haven't really seen the full squad yet. And again, with this Denver game tonight, I said it last week, I believe Pete Carroll gets up for these games. 
he typically gets his teams up for the big games. And I was thinking about this before we headed to the studio today. How much of that was Russell Wilson also getting into the big game? Mm -hmm. Or was it just Pete Carroll getting the whole group ready? You know, you think about through the years, the teams that this team beat uh, the Chiefs back in 2018, a good Chiefs team, uh, beat the Patriots on the road a few years ago, which probably shouldn't have won that game. Um, There's a lot of games that it's like, you probably shouldn't have been in that contest and you were able to stay in it. And so I am curious. I, I think they'll be in it. I don't think this is going to be anywhere near a blowout. I don't think it's a one possession game, mm-hmm. win or lose. I don't, I'm not going to guarantee a win, but it's going to be a one possession game. I okay. think they're really going to stay in it. All right. Let's hope you're right. Um, really. We'll move on to uh, that Russell Wilson news that you were talking about and just the fallout that we've been hearing about in the last few days. Um, Russell Wilson did confirm that the team tried to trade him a couple of times prior to his Denver move. Um, Wilson was livid about the Seahawks and Pete Carroll not doing enough to help him get MVP honors, an award Wilson wanted badly to win. So that's that individual portion and that individual accolades that he was concerned about that you mentioned. And uh, it's <laughs> it's interesting because when big time players do win these awards, they say that it's, you know, it's only a part of what they do. And ac- individual accolades are great, but they are still working on that bigger goal. So mm. it's kind of interesting to hear the opposite that you're like focusing, focusing on that individual goal rather than the team goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'll get whistle in baseball season. So when Ty wasn't named the starter at the all-star game, it was, you know, this would have been great, but at the end of the day, we're still chasing something bigger. Right. So yeah, hearing about that. Cause I the kind of, I don't know if I've told you this story or the stories, I don't know if we said it in the, during the podcast, but the kind of the reason uh, Circling Sales Sports started was because of that like 2000, uh, 2019, 2020 season, 2000, yeah, 2019 to 2020, Russell was having a great beginning of the year and he wasn't getting enough talk about an MVP candidate. And so I basically, it was after that win against the 49ers on the road, um, I think uh, Myers nailed the kick to win the game. And it was a, it was a fallout. If you go to the very first episode of the podcast, it was about that game. Okay. And uh, it was just kind of like, I wasn't happy with the national media for not giving him a much enough of a spotlight. And so it's just really interesting to see that tie. But yeah, knowing that it was like, there was also a report that Super Bowl 49 Wilson called an audible out of a run play to throw that interception. He called an audible. There's a report. That's a report. I'm not confirming that, but so just stuff like that. It's selfish. At the end of the day, it's selfish, Yes, you know? Yes, it is. Um, and there's more comments on here that, you know, pissed off his teammates, stuff like that. It's, it's not good. I mean, it's really interesting to see this all. Yeah. And he, looking here, he was unhappy that the Seahawks scouted quarterbacks such as Mahomes and Allen. General manager John Schneider likely would have selected Mahomes had he been available late in round one. So, I mean... If you, they're already scouting for your replacement, I can understand why that would bother you. A lot of the concern, too, was his mobility. Throughout the years, uh, uh, a front office source said that you look at the Bears game last year, there was one where, you know, he does that rollout and he just didn't have the same speed um, as he did. You know, that's some escapability. I watched Justin Fields yesterday. He had he made a great play to look just like old Wilson. Um but also part of this with Schneider and Carroll was that, you know how they always say, uh, we leave no stone unturned. They're always mm-hmm. in on everything. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the thought behind it. 
Um, and you look at that with scouting those guys, but then we get to this next report about this potential trade and it's like, yeah. geez, things, there might've been issues for a while here. That were just underlying that we weren't aware of. Yeah, the Seahawks called Cleveland in 2018 to discuss a trade of Wilson for the number one overall pick and Cleveland was not interested. So, and then moving on here, uh, Wilson's public comments about wanting the team to invest in O-line angered Dwayne Brown and other teammates. Wilson's agent, Mark Rogers and Hawks GM, John Schneider began having discussions about potential trade destinations, even having heated discussions about where Wilson could end up. So there's a, a lot of backstory here. Moving on to some more of it. In a 2017 story, Seahawks defenders grew resentful in later years over their belief that Carroll gave Wilson preferential treatment. What do you define that as, or what do you think preferential treatment looks like? Well, what that was, was uh, a lot of, because Carroll kind of, you know, in reading this story, Carroll always had Russell's back. He was the guy who made the decision to start Russell Wilson over Matt Flynn, uh, back in that, uh, was that 2013 season? Um, and always just kind of, it was interesting because it was always kind of like Pete had his back, no matter, you know, the comments about the O-line or wanting to throw more, the let Russ cook stuff, all of that, he had his back. And it was just about until after the 2021 season, when those two discussed the possibility of a trade. So it's, it seems like more, it was Russell was kind of your big star, and I'm going to protect him as opposed to guys like Richard Sherman, uh, Cam Chancellor. <clears throat> so it's, I mean, you shouldn't, it's a team game. They shouldn't treat one guy better than the others, even if it's the quarterback. Um, but just looking at that, seeing that, you know, Pete always kind of had his back despite Russell, you know, obviously being upset about things is interesting because it's like the coach had your back, you know, he, there was the hiring of Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator a few years ago, and Russell had a bunch of interest in that. There was the complaining about the offensive linemen. Um, I don't know. It's just really interesting to see Russell, how unhappy he was, how much the, his agent played into that, and just how it kind of became a headache for the team after a while to deal with everything that was going going on. Does that, knowing all of this now, does that change your opinion as to how we should receive him? I mean, it's kind of like, hey, maybe a little bit. Maybe it's like I I lean a little bit more towards Boo. Because again, I get it. I got the, the contributions. But at the end of the day, it was how it was how the, the relationship broke up. If it was a clean break and there was, it was like, okay, sure, fine. You know, if it wasn't one person, if it wasn't Russell's fault and they both outed him, just, we want him out. We don't like him anymore. It's like uh, that scene from Toy Story where he drops Andy. I don't want to play with you anymore. Uh, Or Woody, Woody. sorry. Um, But it wasn't like that. It seems like Russell had been wanting to get out. He had been looking at potential, you know, you just look at all of this and it's like, you know, you claim you wanted to be in Seattle, you, you know, all this stuff after the the extension, even that he got a few years ago, I want to be a Seahawk for life. And there were still like in the back of the mind that was still, they're not doing enough for me, you know, and I get it. You know, you look at now we've got Charles cross, um, but that didn't happen without the trade. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so, but also part of it, you know, look at with the big extension, how much of, you know, the success that the Seahawks had had on was on uh, Russell's rookie deal when he wasn't getting paid enough. Well, un- that much, a lot of it, you know. And then you get him the big money, and you know, cap wise, couldn't really you get 
kind of in a tough situation to get the big name offensive lineman. It's tough. At the end of the day, I don't like how it ended, and that's how I look at things. I think it's poor. I think it's bad, and I wouldn't blame people for booing him. I'm not going to blame you. I'm not going to necessarily encourage it, but I'm not going to look down upon you for it. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there in tonight's game. Um, but some good news regarding tonight's game. Jamal Adams will suit up for week one. The safety is ready to go for the season opener versus Denver after breaking a finger on the first day of training camp. So, Ouchie. Yeah, that's good news there. Um, that about wraps up the news for our Seahawks. Uh, we'll move over to some league news here. And at the start of our notes here, Lamar Jackson. Um, he, he was guaranteed, he wants guaranteed money. It's still the biggest hurdle between Jackson and the Ravens ahead of the quarterback's week one deadline to sign a deal. They didn't actually reach the deadline. Um, later reports said that he turned down a contract offer from the Ravens that is believed to be worth about 250 million. Um, there were also reports that he wanted more, yeah, more in guaranteed money. So we'll see how that unwinds as the season goes forward. But he did start in that week one game. Stay out of the NFC. Don't care where he goes. <laughs> Stay out of the NFC. Leave me alone. Don't well, care. If they can't reach a deal, you can't see the Seahawks. I mean, this has been brewing ahead. a little. No. I mean, with that money, no. Well, I don't think so. Because I think the report that we got yesterday after the uh, $250 million was that he was looking for $160 to $180 million in guaranteed money. Unless they pull off some cap wizardry, I don't think you can do that. You'd have to work some stuff over. I mean, DK signed his deal last year. You're going to have right. a bunch of deals, I think, this upcoming year. Don't think you can do it. Right. I don't think so. I think they're also more geared with the draft capital that they, capital that they have. You're probably drafting a guy next year anyway. So, no. Again, stay out of the NFC. Leave me alone. No, don't come over here. <laughs> stay away. I didn't see the outcome of that week one game. Do you know what it was if the Ravens won at all? Yes, they did. They played the they played the Jets. Okay. Yeah, they, yeah. they torched the Jets. Okay. Yeah, so we'll continue to monitor that situation. And if Lamar Jackson moves anywhere, then we'll be sure to report it. Um, moving on to some Rams news here. They extended head coach and general manager. So they announced that they reached agreements to keep Sean McVay and Les Schneed through 2026. So, um, and some more going on with the Rams news here. And Aaron Donald did almost retire. He, his agent sent a letter to the Rams to inform the league that he was retiring, but the team never sent it in. <laughs> we're this close i that was kind of his retirement actually kind of came to my mind watching um thursday night football because mm. they got torched didn't do well and i was wondering they showed him kind of on the bench a little head down and <laughs> i was wondering if he thought about retirement in that moment <laughs> oh i'm sure he did because <laughs> i mean he's accomplished it would kind of be like barry sanders retiring he's i'm sure he's got a ton of gas left in the tank but he's accomplished a ton already he doesn't need to be on the field. he got his ring and so yeah seeing him retire would have been great because he wouldn't terrorize <laughs> us anymore but to see that they didn't send it in it's like so they just basically held him hostage and then they got to keep him and then he was even mcveigh was going to step away for a little bit this offseason there was talk about that so he's going to stay for a bit more yeah <sighs> no rest no rest for the seahawks but I don't know. It's really interesting. I think the Rams will be fine. I think they'll be fine. I know that Stafford's got kind of an elbow thing right now. So that's the biggest intriguing thought. Uh -huh. I don't think you play them soon enough, though, to 
able to get in on that. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if with these Benefit division games, yeah. I, I'll take what you can get, especially against the Rams with the roster they have. They could still add OBJ. He's still a free agent. He's still kind of like picking and choosing. He's like, oh, I'm the bell of the ball. Pick me. Yeah, Don't know what he's going to do. To where he should go. <laughs> Buffalo? Oh, goodness. Uh, can you imagine that? Oh, yeah. We don't play them until December, so probably not. Yep. Um, We'll be healed by then. Probably. That about wraps up our football category here. Um, Of course, we're looking at tonight's game, and we'll have more to report on the outcome of that next week. So, As well as technically, the uh, 49ers game is this weekend, so we've kind of got to – because we're covering this – because we're here on Mondays, we release a show on Mondays. The game will take place, what, an hour after our show. And then Sunday, uh, the Seahawks play the Niners. So we'll have coverage of two games That's exciting. for you, which is a little bit big. So, again, look at that. The uh, Niners game on the 18th is a one fifteen kickoff time. Uh, that is here in Seattle. So you open up with two home games, which is nice. But then tonight's game against the Broncos, five fifteen Monday night football. Russell Wilson's in town. Don't need to say much else. I think you stack up well. I think you stack up well. But moving on here to our Mariners, who are more exciting at the moment. <laughs> uh, big homestand. I mean, Chicago with the White Sox. The White Sox are in the hunt for their own divisional lead, I believe. Um, and, well, they're kind of a little bit out, but they're playing for a spot in the playoffs. They're a little bit out. They're a good ball club still. The Braves won the World Series last year. They've got a great lineup from top to bottom and some yes, solid pitching and you play the Padres these next two days. And the Padres are also stacked as a lineup and are one of the better rosters in the entirety of the of MLB. So let's look back at the White Sox and the Braves series. So starting on the fifth versus the White Sox, a three to two loss, unfortunately played a game catcher Cal Raleigh, one hit, one run and one RBI, a close one, but the Mariners unable to pull that one out. September 6th versus the White Sox, a three to nothing win. So the Mariners bounced back with a shutout of the White Sox played the game. Number one, starting pitcher Logan Gilbert, Gilbert, six innings pitched, only five hits allowed, no runs and nine K's on the day. Player of the game number two, his buddy, longtime teammate, catcher Cal Raleigh, one hit, one run, a two RBI, two run blast to give the Mariners some more insurance in the bottom of the eighth inning. On the seventh, to wrap things up, I think, no, that was a different one. Uh, September 7th, to wrap things up, the Mariners will lose that one, nine to six. Player of the game, uh, third baseman, Eugenio Suarez, two hits, two runs, three RBIs, a two homer game, Gino heating up and we'll look at that more as he continues to heat up down. Yeah. (laughs) But unfortunate to lose this series against the white Sox. Uh, I mean, you look at game one, you lose by a run here. Just uncharacteristically give you were at that, the seventh game. Were you? No, Mm -mm. no, that was you still. I don't, I'm getting (laughs) old. Um, But the seventh, you know, that one uncharacteristically, the pitching staff unable to really hold Chicago nine runs is not good. Um, but considering how much pitching has carried you, it's kind of like, well, they're going to have their off game here and there. Uh, so in that game, ah, yes, I remember this game. Okay. Sorry. So uh, Eugenio Suarez collected his 1000th career hit. It was a home run. So he, his first career hit was a homer. His 1000th was a homer. Kind of funny. Um, and then Luis Castillo began this game striking out seven consecutive batters, which is a franchise record. And then after that, uh, a little bit later, things would fall apart. Runs started to mount up, and it was like, ah, oh, shoot, what's going on? So 
tough one there, but then, you know, you get a day off and you, well, no, you don't even get a day off. Wait. Yeah. You get a day off and then you have the defending champs in town, which is no easier contest. We look at this series against Atlanta on the ninth versus the Braves and opening six to four loss for the game. Uh, designated here, Carlos Santana slammed Hannah, two hits, two runs, three RBIs, a two homer game, basically mm -hmm. tried to pull them on his back to a win, <laughs> but was unable to do so. Bell discovered the press box ice cream machine today on that game, uh, September 10th versus the Braves, a three to one win. So this one, I mean, close down to the, well, look at these two games, first two games tight down to the wire close you're playing the defending champs really well which should be a good sign of where you are overall going into the playoffs and even in the actual playoffs themselves uh play of the game left fielder sam haggerty swaggerty one hit one run an rbi and two defensive gems just great in left field great in left field um we'll get to that in a little bit here and then sunday september 11th versus the braves in eight to seven absolutely ridiculous win we'll get to that and why it was in a minute uh play of the game number one third baseman a eugenio suarez gino two hits two runs two rbis and a walk excuse me he again hits two homers and he gets his second walk off of the season uh in his career actually because that one earlier in the year against the Blue Jays was his first career walk-off. Um, and then play the game number two, center fielder Julio Rodriguez. Julio, a three for four days, so three hits, two runs, two RBIs, and a walk. He hits two homers, including a leadoff homer to begin the game and a game-tying solo homer in the bottom of the ninth. So, goodness. God, that, <laughs> that Sunday was wild. So, again, though, to look at the first two games in the series, really solid. I mean, you play Atlanta really well. Um, and you're able to get a serious win. But that Sunday game, so you go throughout the game, Julio hits that leadoff in the bottom of the first. Whoa, Julio. <laughs> um, and as the game goes on, the Mariners eventually have like a one to six lead. And you're like, hey, you're kind of taking it. Yeah, you're doing pretty good against the defending champs. The Braves, when they got the win in game one, took the lead in the uh, NL, I think it's the NL, oh, I think it's NL East. Take the lead in the NL East. This is a good team. You can drop a game against them. If you're able to win the series, that would be great. You know, I don't expect you to do really, I don't expect you to sweep the Braves. Um, and then the bottom of the, the top of the eighth, uh, Eric Swanson gives up a solo homer and you're like, ah, shoot. Okay. Two to six. That's four runs. You should be fine. Your bullpen's great. <laughs> you get to the top of the ninth and Diego Castillo and Paul Seawall to give up a collective five runs. And all of a sudden you're down seven to six and you kind of look up and you're like, what, what is the going on? hell just happened? And, you know, because again, Los Bomberos, they've been great all year. Um, just again with the pitching, just like I, in that September 7th game against Chicago, eventually you're going to have a bad game or two. And that was, this was this one. Paul Seawall has been great. It's just, unfortunately when he's off, he gives up homers and it's like, Ugh. usually it's going to, you know, <laughs> no. Yeah. He's usually great, but when he's not, <laughs> um, so in the bottom of the ninth, though, Julio comes up and his heroics, he's able to hit a game tying Homer. And cause I think Haggerty was going to bunt, and just was easily out mm -hmm. and like, ah, shoot, you know, why are you bunting? You've been great all year. Yeah. The defense is already playing in anyway, so they're ready for it, regardless of how fast you are. Um, and then Julio slams a ball that had an exit velocity of 117 miles an hour. That thing got out of here in a hurry. That's been said already, but man, you know, think, okay, wow. Rookie of the year, by the way, 
Adley Rushman's great, but he's no Julio. Um, You're thinking this might go into extra innings. Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah. okay, that's fine. We can push it into extras now. Ty France comes in to bat. He had the day off. He goes out. And then Gino comes to the plate. And Gino, he's been on a great run. I believe now it's five of his last seven hits have been homers. You're like, geez, this guy. He has big, strong since August 1st. Which is the most in baseball. Yep. And it's a absolute rocket that was almost robbed by Michael Harrison uh, in center, I believe. I think he got a glove on it, but he couldn't bring it down. And all of a sudden, you've won the game. And you're like, oh, shoot. Because off the bat, I could tell it was going. But I was like, I don't know. He, he might rob it. Yeah. And you've got an 8-7 to seven win. And it's like, you took a series against the defending champs. You, I, you were in all of those games. You didn't get blown out. Your pitching stacks up well. I mean, this shows you just the potential of this ball club and what they're doing um, with fan graphs. Now you've got a 99.9% chance of making the playoffs. You're about seven games above Baltimore uh, for the last team out of the playoffs. So figuratively speaking, the drought is over. Mm. <laughs> it's just about where you go for the seating now. Yeah. It's about making that number one or number two. Because again, if you host number one, you get at maximum three games. You still have the rest of the games to play, but we look at the rest of the, the rest of the group. Toronto and Tampa Bay will start playing each other a bunch from here on yeah. out. Four times, I believe. So, in the next four, five four, days five. or something. Yeah, yeah. I think it was four in the next five. Good point. Um, Baltimore is going to play those teams as well. The Yankees only have like a six-game lead over Tampa Bay, so we could see one of those teams switch division lead, and the Yankees have like a 15-game lead at one point. So it's like this is the point that we've been talking about for like a month now. These teams are going to play each other. So this is this is really big because you will have to obviously play your games. That's, you know, that's still something you have to do. But you kind of control yourself here. You control your own destiny where you'll be able to just win your games and take care of business. Obviously, again, you have to do that, but you're going to have some outside help in, in determining that. Cause we look at the schedule here and you've got the Padres next, um, Padres next You go on the road for four against the angels, three against the athletics, go to KC, Tell me which of these teams are good. <laughs> you play, okay, you get out of this homestand against the Padres, and it's kind of like, okay, these are teams you should beat. Yeah. You look at the Angels. Again, I know they got Otani and Trout still, but. You, yeah, should be able to take that series. Oakland, don't need to say much. The Royals, they've got some guys, they've been stingy, but still, I mean, they got tickets as low as seven dollars to go to their games. Come on, six bucks. Oh my goodness, you could go to the Angels game for two dollars. That's ridiculous. Oh my goodness, that is crazy. Texas back here at home. Okay, so oh, you go on this long road trip. Okay, so you end this two games uh, for the homestand. You play the Angels for four, Oakland for three, and then Kansas City for three, and then your homestand from the twenty seventh of September through the fifth of October is three against Texas. Four against, uh, no, pardon me, three against Oakland and four against Detroit. One of those is a doubleheader. So get tickets for those October games, but you should un you should be able to take care of business against these teams. And then those other teams play each other. So it's like, unless something happens where one of those teams just dominates 
the rest of their opponents, you should be able to take that number one spot and just hold on to it and go. But that's obviously something you've got to take care of first. But things are looking solid, especially getting this series win on a walk-off against Atlanta should be a huge boost for you, right? And, I mean, you played this Padres team. They didn't have Juan Soto yet. But you played this uh, Padres team well. Last time you played them, I think one of the games was on the 4th of July and then the 5th of July. So get out of this homestand, ideally. You're, you're what? You won one game against, so you're 3-3 three and three right now. If you can go 4-4 four and four or 5-3, and three, you're looking good. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> things are looking good. But got to get through it first. Anyway, let's get to our players of the week. I went with Gino. So Eugenio, 20 played appearances over the past seven days, seven hits, five runs, five homers, six RBIs. Uh, 22 stolen, 22 stolen, no, 22 total bases, three walks, a 350 batting average, 435 on base percentage, a 1.1 slugging, and a 1.535 OPS. Gino has been on fire lately. And I mean, going down the stretch, hitting into the playoffs. I mean, we talked about this with the Storm, but who is the team you never want to play hitting in the playoffs? Team that's hot. And with guys like Gino that are hot, you're going to need that. And to have, have him playing like he is, I mean, against these teams, the biggest players show up in your biggest moments. And someone made the comment is, uh, remember when we were here for spring trading and that trade happened? It's not the, it's not the winger trade anymore. It's become it's the Suarez trade. And I'm not putting Jesse to bed. I think he'll be fine next All year. All people are. <laughs> I get it. It's tough, you know, but well, to that extent, Sam Haggerty should probably be starting in left field from here on out because of his defensive efforts. But I'm not putting Jesse to bed. He'll be here next year. He'll be fine. But this is huge. Speaking of Haggerty, you went with him with yeah, uh, Player of the Week. And I don't blame you, but what was your reasoning behind so it? So I'm sure you'll throw up the stats here, but um, it wasn't so much because of his stats. It was because of his efforts on the defensive end. Uh, we know that center field is the no-fly zone because Julio does so well to protect it. But imagine going up to bat and then thinking, like, I can't go center field, and now I can't go left field because Haggerty's making these incredible catches. And, yeah, you just you can't risk this whole side of the field now um, because these guys are doing so well defensively. So it was amazing to see. I feel like he came through exactly when they needed him to and was just kind of a safety net for that series. So it was great to see. Um, We will move on to our team news. Yeah, luckily, no injury (laughs) news. And, you know, with the way that rosters are right now and how you're kind of locking in your roster, we're not going to see much uh, roster moves. There could be some stuff. The rosters aren't locked in yet, but obviously very minimal in the last few weeks. But on the 8th, it was announced that the Mariners uh, nominee for the 2022 Roberto Clemente Award is Marco Gonzalez. Marco uh, is nominated for the award that is bestowed annually to the player who best represents the game of baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, positive contributions, uh, contributions both on and off the field. Marco's list of what he's been able to do charity charity wise is really long 
Um, Marco and his wife, Monica, have led efforts in the Pacific Northwest to raise awareness and funds to support research for multiple system atrophy, which is a rare degenerative uh, neurological disorder that impacted their family back in 2016. Marco's, I mean, we could really kind of sit here and look at the list, list of things, <laughs> but he's worked with Home Plate, the Home Plate Project, uh, the Coalition Against Domestic Violence and more. So, I mean... Marco is a great representative for this award. That's awesome. Regardless of what he does on the field, he's been, I mean, he was rock solid yesterday, by the way. I know I didn't mention that when the Braves, but he, he did great against that lineup. I mean, you can just look at some of the philanthropical work. He does a great job. So uh, a hats off to Marco on that. And I think he really, I really hope he could win that award. But ultimately, we'll see that. Uh, I'm not sure when the voting is for that, but I think you can go online now and vote for Marco. So I go vote for Marco. I'll, I'll put the link out there, <laughs> but I suggest you go do so. So uh, we look over to league notes now. On September eighth, uh, some Dominican prospects are going to sue the Angels. Uh, Keterson Pavan and Willie Fanas allege that the Angels uh, basically went back on verbal agreements to sign both of them. So this lawsuit could mean big things for how uh, prospects being signed to teams is handled. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how that all takes place uh, because I mean, with the angels going back on base, Oh yeah, we're going to sign you. And then going back on that, I wonder how much this lawsuit will change, but just seeing how some of these players are treated is really interesting because yeah. I know the Mariners signed Julio through the international prospect pool, I believe. So how we get some of these players is going to be big depending on how this lawsuit goes okay. on the eighth. Also, it was announced that the MLB was going to vote on some rule changes, such as the pitch clock and shift restrictions on the ninth, the MLB announced that they will recognize the minor league baseball union, uh, minor league baseball, uh, the union itself uh, with MLB players will be voluntarily recognized by major league baseball commissioner Rod Manfred said. So that's good to see better to see these minor league players actually treated a little bit better, hopefully a lot bit better, uh, considering just some of the reports that we've gone over with you over the past year. You know, it's been with some guys having to sleep in their car, sleep on the clubhouse floor, you know, not really being able to pay for food, stuff like that. It's, I mean, if you want your game to grow, you got to be able to treat the guys that are coming up through the minors better. Definitely. So, and then finally, I know we teased it on the game, the news for the eighth, but on the ninth, MLB agreed to two major changes. So next year, officially, the league will implement a pitch clock and ban defensive shifts. So the full details on that, uh, there will be larger bases in use starting next season. This was a unanimous vote. It's kind of a thing to avoid collisions, uh, make things safer along the base paths. Um, so they'll be bigger, which is interesting. Um, the pitch clock, there will be 15 seconds for pitchers between each pitch with the bases empty. When there are runners on base, it will be 20 seconds. So that should speed things up. I remember going to an Aqua Sox game earlier in the year and there was a pitch clock and we got out of there. There were a lot of runs and it got out of there in like two and a half hours. And it was like, Hey, we just got here. What do you mean the game is over? So that should hopefully speed things up. Shift banning. This is going to be really interesting. It should affect some of our Mariners players. There must be, so if this is second base, there must be two defensive players on each side uh, of second base um, with their, both of their feet on the infield dirt. So they can't go back into the outfield yeah. like some of those shifts. I know Carlos Santana and Kyle Raleigh are the most shifted players against in all of baseball. They're one and two. It should really help Jesse out, hopefully, as well. So it'll be really interesting to see how some of our hitters do next year when that is banned. It'll 
kind of improve how athletic some of these guys are going to have to be. The hope with these changes is to increase action on the field, quicken the pace of the game, and reduce the amount of time it takes to play a game overall. So hopefully that takes place. On the 10th, it was announced that the Players Union and MLB have finalized union cards. Minor leaguers represented by MLBPA will present union authorization cards next week, setting up a collective bargaining agreement negotiation. And we'll see how that continues on with the minor league union um, and how MLB reacts to it. So we look over to this next week for our Mariners. They have a 79 and 61 record. They're second in the American League West currently. Again, the Astros have like an 11 game lead. I don't see that going away anytime soon. Uh, the Mariners currently sit at second in the AL wild card. They're a half game back. Uh, well, they're technically tied with Tampa Bay for first, but because Tampa Bay has a tiebreaker, Tampa Bay gets the number one spot at the moment and they're half game ahead of Toronto. So again, let them play each other. Take the lead, run with it. <laughs> Looking ahead, the Mariners play two games against the Padres uh, tomorrow, the 13th, uh, with a 6.40 p.m. first pitch. And then the 14th, did I say 13th or 14th the first time? You said 13th. Okay, yeah. good. On the 14th is a 1.10 start. That is a Wednesday. That is also Latin Heritage Day. Excited. I, I want them to bring back the Los Marineros jerseys. I'm going to die on that hill. And then you go down to L.A. to play the Angels of Anaheim for four games. I'm going to die on that hill as well. September 6th is a 6.30 p.m. start. September 17th is a 6.07 p.m. start. And then both the 18th and the 19th are 1.07 p.m. starts. So specific. I don't know why they are. <laughs> Gotta kind of dampen the mood now. News. Why don't we get into our storm news? Um, the storm playoff run is unfortunately over, which also marked, um, Superd's last game ever. Um, it was a very emotional game. Unfortunately, they lost to the aces 97 to 92 on September 6th. Our player of the game is forward Brianna Stewart. She had amazing efforts, um, 42.7 rebounds, six threes. Three steals, uh, unfortunately, just came up a little short. Our second player of the game was, of course, Sue Bird, because we had to honor her and everything that she's done for her city. She is, of course, a four-time WNBA champ, an all-time assist leader, 13-time All-Star, and the WNBA win leader. Um, she's been in the league for a long time, and it's going to be a lot different to not see her face around. Um, so key takeaways from this game. Um, first off, I of course want to congratulate the aces for moving on and say that Chelsea Gray is a monster. I think you don't even need to, you just need to say her name. <laughs> what was, what was it that uh, Hunter, uh, one of the people at the media table said, uh, put out a tweet out that said a uh, Seattle fan yelled at Chelsea Gray and said, leave us alone. I mean, yeah. I, Chelsea Gray's been on fire all uh, all series. I mean, we talked about this heading into the series. This is in a, a Vegas team that's really deep. They've got a lot of great scores. I mean, for a time, Kelsey Plum was coming off the bench for them. Uh, they've got Asia Wilson, who's now a two-time MVP. Which um, We'll leave that there. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that there. Um, I, I, there are just teams of destiny in some games. I mean, like last year, Chicago what, from a sixth seed to win it all. Uh, well, yeah, the Rams. I mean, 
but there are teams of destiny, right? And I think the Aces are one of them. I think they are going to blow by. Well, they squeaked out game one against the Sun, but I think they're going to win it all. I think Vegas wins it all. They've got so much talent on that roster. Becky Hammond's a great coach. I said this to Bell after the pregame press conference from him, and I was like, she really knows. She said a lot of a lot of the right things. She knows what she's a really smart woman. I was like, wow, you know, because. So, yeah, I mean, both of <laughs> both Bill and I were kind of left in shock. Uh, once the game ended, I just kind of stood there waiting. I, I didn't head right to the press conference. I just kind of I just stood there. I was like, wow, what just happened? You know, because I mean, 97 to 92, it was just pretty similar to that other game. Uh, game three, Overtime game. you had what four point lead with 11 seconds, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And then. Things changed real fast. I mean, Stewie, 42 points, seven rebounds, six threes, three steals. Stewie looked unconscious. There were several points where she was just going at Asia. Boom, 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 knocking threes down. Uh, But at the end of the day, I mean, what? No third score, really. Tina only had two points. I mean, she was great rebounding and such, but there was no third score, really. I mean, Jewel had a great game. She tied a career. No, she set a career playoff high. Um, Gabby Williams had some impressive plays in there to tie the game and even give the Storm the lead at one point. And I mean, yeah, it just, I think the biggest thing, like you said at the start of the season was who's, or we both agreed who's going to help the big three. And that's exactly what it felt like in this last game. Um, Joel and Brianna were doing Joel and Brianna things and they had apparently agreed before the game that they had to leave it all on the floor and they certainly did that but against a team that has like you said asia wilson chelsea gray and then jackie young founder groove mm-hmm. late in the series so Quana williams yeah. in game three hit a bunch yeah. of a uh, bunch of threes in the fourth quarter yeah, I mean, you just run out of firepower at some point, right? How much of that for next year? Well, I don't even want to think about next year because obviously it was Sue retiring. I mean, we looked, you you mentioned it, right? Uh, with four-time champ, all-time assist leader, 13-time all-star, uh, the most gold medals tied for the most gold medals with Deanna, uh, for the most gold medals in basketball, either way, men's or women's. WNBA win leader, uh, should have a statue and a number retired sooner rather than later. Uh, we'll we'll have to reflect. It's too big to reflect this week. We can't do that. We'll do that next week. Um, yeah. And I mean, it just goes to, okay. I mean, not to go too far ahead, but who leads your team now? Because well, Stewie's not under contract. You've only got two right. players under contract and it's Mercedes and Jewel. Yeah. You got Jewel for one more year. Uh, Ezzy's a restricted player. And it's kind of like if Seattle wants her back, she'll be back. And they want, they want her back. Stewie has basically no indication that she's got a foot out the door, but her and Gabby with how the WNBA prioritization works. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do because they make more money overseas. It's the reason why Brittany Griner was over in Russia for the, in the first place. Um, we haven't heard about her in a while. That, That's heartbreaking. I thought about that the other day too, because I get Brianna Stewart's tweet every day. And so it does cross my mind at least once every day. So there's that. And the fact that the WNBA would fine you for doing that is a little 
stupid. I don't like using that word on air, but it's stupid. Yeah, we're not going to pay you enough, but then we also aren't going to allow you to go get money elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And don't come to me or the comment section with, oh, nobody supports this game. Look at the crowds from these games. Sold out crowd. You and I, merch table. How ridiculous is it to try to get merch? Oh my gosh, yeah. No. So the it's it's there, but the WNBA isn't properly handling the the audience they're getting. That's its they own other to, discussion. Yeah. They had to be, turn people away at one point because really? they ran out of sizes and people oh, yeah. were just like, Oh, okay, yeah. get out of line. So then. my take my money. Oh, you don't want it? Well, yeah. you know. But yeah, I mean, you're gonna have to completely redo this roster next year. Uh, I had a friend that basically said, You got Stewie and Julie, you're gonna compete. I'm like, hey, that's got a point. But do we have Stewie? I don't know. Right. Not officially. Right. Right. So, and there were reports that with the open job that LA is going to have, that Noe might go there, but Noe sounds really committed to here. She so I doubt that. that. Down, I thought, yeah. I doubt that. And Tina Charles did not have an exit interview. She declined. I think Tina's gone. I personally think Tina's gone. She came here to win a title this year. She said that. She made it apparent multiple times. How much of a contending team this is next year? I don't know. So I think she's gone personally. So she's, it really was championship or bust. Yes. Yeah, for her. yeah. Yeah. I mean, she made that apparent with, with the sun and when that wasn't happening with, with Phoenix and the Mercury, pardon me. It's my bad. Yeah. Made that apparent with the Mercury. And when that didn't happen, wanted she out of there. Ship, yeah. And a bunch of Mercury players talked bad about her regardless. And I know we had a bunch of storm, uh, storm fans that talked about bad about Tina. Tina was a contributing member of this team, and I don't like that. I don't like the comments that a bunch of them had. Um, some of them blamed her for missing those free throws in game three. You should have been putting yourself in a better position, arguably. Uh, it's like kind of blaming the refs for things. It's like, yeah, there are points where game the refs impact things, but you should play better than to not have that impact the game and be the reason you lose. Um, I think Tina's gone, though. Regardless, I think she's gone. I, you know. But I, mean, I think it speaks to the magnitude, just like you said, that there's only two players on contract next season. So that just right there, that tells you how different this team could look. Yeah. I mean, who's your point guard? You got to go get a point guard. And a backup because and we also backup. lost Brion. Yep. Brion January. Brion January retired. I apologize for that. I mean, she's a champion. I do, oh my God. Just talking about it. Uh, what did, I think it was Stewie and Jewel talking about a post game is when we had the chance to get her in free agency, we said, hell yeah, because it means we didn't have to play against her. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Brianne likes some of our photos, by the way, which, you know, Matt behind the camera, she likes some of, Ooh. I got the DMS for that. So yay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, it's incredible. We'll have to look at it later in the off season, but where do you go? Where do you go from here? You know, I mean, I have this thing here, uh, storm ends in game five. How would you rate the season? I think a lot of people, it's it's disappointing because you wanted to obviously send Sue out, Sue and Bree out the right way. And you couldn't do that. But also, you just didn't have the better team. I think Vegas had the better team. Arguably, right? I mean, because, I mean, if you take Asia and Stewie and then they weigh each Cancel other out. each other out, yeah. But, okay, Jewel, maybe put Jewel and Kelsey. Okay, those two are out. Who's matching up with Chelsea? Oh, God, no one. Who's matching up with Jackie <laughs> just, Young? Just like Coach Quinn said, there's no one up on with the earth can guard Chelsea Gray. You, you start, you know, we weigh stars against stars and you lose that battle. And you got a great, and that's nothing on Noe either. No. But you've got a great coach in Becky Hammond. So it's just how it rolled. It's just mm -hmm. how it was. It's obviously really sad, but 
we'll have to reflect on the season next week and just look at things. But yeah, just really unfortunate. I mean, this news next is a little bit nicer, right? Yeah. Yesterday, right? Two days ago, Swin Cash was named to the Hall of Fame as part of the class of 22. So um, just a few pointers here on Swin. She spent the 2008-2011 with Seattle. Um, she has had a 14-year playing career, three-time WNBA champion, four-time WNBA All-Star, two-time WNBA All-Star MVP, um, two-time All-WNBA second team, a WNBA 20th anniversary team, WNBA 25th anniversary team, and she's one of 11 women to receive an Olympic gold medal, an NCAA, champ NCAA championship, a FIBA World Cup gold, and a WNBA championship. That's a your last name's Cash too, by the way. You're a basketball <laughs> really player, cool and your names. last name's Cash. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. So, congratulations to her. It's much deserved. Um, of course, that about pretty much wraps us up. Um, the WNBA finals have started. The first game was yesterday, and the matchup is the Sun and the Las Vegas Aces. So, first uh, first title for either of those teams. So, whoever yeah. wins get the first it's title. Big. I don't have a rooting interest. I think the Aces will win it though. I don't, I'm not going to be like, oh, Vegas or oh, Connecticut. Either way, I'd be okay with either of them winning because, I mean, you want to see parity in this league, right? And I wouldn't really consider Vegas that big of a rival. They're just a better team. Chelsea Gray dominated this team, and she gave props to Seattle and Subert after in the press conference. They were both, her and Asia were both really respectful, really cool people to talk to there. Yeah, I think the the thing that resonated with me the most was in order to be the best, you have to beat the best. And she mm. was referring to Sue Bird in that. So, yeah. I mean, we did talk about that when we were heading into game three. I mean, well, game four, right? If you want to beat the, you got to be the best, you got to beat the best, same thing. You couldn't do that. So... That ends our storm season for the year. Um, and like Charles mentioned, we'll wrap up next week, but... The team could look a lot different, a lot different next year. So um, we move on to some better news here from our Sounders. <laughs> kind of surprised, kind of. I mean, this was the road that you needed to. It's like you ever go on a road trip and maybe there's just like a big hurdle you have to go through. This was your huge hurdle. I mean, Austin's the second best team in the West uh, points wise and standing wise. They were without their MVP candidate. He was on the bench. But, I mean, this is still a good club. Obviously, it's a team game. So, you've got to play around that. And the Sounders were very much up to the task, winning 3 to nothing over Austin. Um, player of the game, Raul Ruiz Diaz. I mean, that we talked about this with CCL, didn't we? Who steps up in the moments that the Sounders needed? It's Raul. The Peruvian, just an incredible. Did you say you had that clutch gene? He does. I mean, again, if there's a guy that that's a good point, if there's a guy that does, it's Raul. It's ridiculous. Um, so September 10th versus Austin, a three nothing win. Raul, 8.9 match rating, two goals, three total shots and 88% passing percentage. This was just pretty wild. I was over working the Mariners game because of some things that were unfortunate, but still keeping along with this and still had an article about it. And Seattle jumped out to a two goal lead early and they were able to shut out Austin. And just, I was like, what the hell is happening? They just decided to kick it into gear all I, of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I mean, from here, the road gets much easier, right? We talked about this last week, get over the big bad, 
And then you've got a team, Vancouver, still a rivalry game. They're still going to probably play hard because it's a rivalry game, but they're far out of playoff contention. Cincinnati is the closest to that amongst your next four games. And they're like six spots out of, I mean, points-wise, they still could technically make it, but they've got like five teams ahead of them for that spot. So like it's it's not necessarily like they're going to make it. Kansas City, out of playoff contention. Uh, San Jose out of playoff contention. So these, I mean, it's, it's with, if you play like you did against Austin, which you can't, you know, replicating that's not always easy, but if you're able to replicate that, you should, you should probably win out or go undefeated on the way out, you know, including Austin with those five games through in the year, you could probably afford to draw one of them. And that would have, you'd like to have used it there against Austin if you needed to. But you should probably win out. I mean, Austin, again, this was a third straight loss. This is a good team. They're in bad form right now. But ultimately, you should be fine. I mean, you should be fine. You hopefully get Christian rolled on back sooner rather than later. But ultimately, you showed what you could be. And I'm really intrigued to see what Sounders team we get to end the season because last year they didn't win in their last like seven games. Well, and with these game with these uh, teams that are making playoff runs, they're trying to make a playoff run. We've talked about getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. So, do you think this is it for the Sounders? Maybe if, this is the table is set for them to do so. Whether they properly do that. You know, you've got the circumstances, you just have to execute now. So it's like, if I give you the key, you just got to go and use it. Mm -hmm. Go and use it. I mean, this is your big moment to do that. (laughs) Do I think they can? Yeah, sure. We'll do it. They're going to make the playoffs this year. They're going to squeak in, but they'll do it. So we'll look back at this in four weeks, but I hope <laughs> I don't get more dumb, yeah. more comments. Oh, you were wrong. We'll get it. But, you know, so looking at uh, team related news here, not relatively quiet, but on the 7th, it was announced that the Sounders and the Puyallup Tribe of Indians Emerald Queen Casino announced a new naming rights deal, proudly introducing the Emerald Queen Casino pitch at Lumen Field. So the pitch itself has a name now yeah. uh, and an expansion of the already successful partnership between the rave green and the Puyallup tribe of Indians whose logo appear on Jersey sleeves and whose Emerald queen casino serves as the official casino entertainment partner of Seattle Sounders FC, the club and tribe today announced an exclusive naming rights deal for the uh, home of the Sounders match day pitch known as now the Emerald queen casino pitch at Lumen field. In addition to this branding throughout the stadium on match day over a variety of assets, this deal also includes corporate civic uh, incorporates, pardon me, civic elements with a new Sounders FC and tribe development program encompassing elementary through post-secondary age youth from chief Leshy schools and delivering comprehensive year-round programming to positively impact the community. I know also that the Sounders and the Rain partnered together to create uh, a new pitch for play uh, young young people kids I almost young, say young people, people <laughs> uh, for kids to play Small on people. fan funded pitch so it's it's exciting to see not only obviously with the sports that we cover right but what these teams do in the community you like to see more and more of that but to see this I think that's pretty cool to mm-hmm. see that program um, and to see what the Sounders are able to do with that moving forward so 
wanted to touch on that. Uh, so looking ahead, the Sounders record now sits at 12 wins, 15 losses, and three draws. It's still r- ridiculous. Three draws, only three. Um, they are in ninth place in the Western Conference. They have 39 points, which is four out of a playoff spot. Their next match is September 17th, this Saturday, at the Vancouver White Cops. White Cops? White, White Caps. Caps. This is a 7 p.m. Pacific time start time. This is, again, a rivalry game, so I expect them to play them tough. I don't expect it to get easy at all. And I'm sure you guys are counting down just like I am the start of the Kraken season, but this week we don't have any Kraken news again. That's a good point, actually. Did you see our countdown on the Circling Saddle Sports uh, social medias? We are 30 days out today <laughs> from the regular season. Uh, we're going to be posting clips every single day until the regular season begins uh, from the Kraken season. So please make sure you're following us on social media for that. Uh, today it was some Matty Benier stick work. Uh, against the New Jersey Devils. So again, 30 days out. We don't have official dates for training camp. If we did, I'd tell you. But even with talking with PR, we don't have official dates for training camp. I know the guys are in (laughs) Seattle practicing stuff, but there's no official training camp quite yet. So Wow. But we're 30 days out? Yep. All right. (laughs) Hey, that's on the team to figure things out, right? Um, so sorry to steal it back from you. Go but for it. We, we continue, I guess, with the soccer-related stuff and head into our reign. Uh, September 9th versus the Chicago Red Stars after about, what, f- I believe it was 14 days off between regular season games. The reign split points with Chicago and a 2-2 two to two draw. This one was a little tough. Uh, play of the game, midfielder Rose Lavelle, uh, an 8.6 match rating, one goal, 85% passing, two chances created, and five total shots. Rose was all over the pitch for the reign. This was tough because the rain came out and scored first relatively early. And you're like, okay, you come out. This is what you need. Jordan Heitema scored her first NWSL goal in the regular season. So the young Canadian, she's 21 too. Where did I go wrong athletically? This is terrible. Um, (laughs) But then before halftime, you gave up a goal that you probably shouldn't have given up. Uh, Head coach Laura Harvey was understandably pissed. And then uh, in the second half, you give up a penalty on a handball, which is kind of, I wouldn't have ruled that a penalty, but I'm not a referee. Um, And so all of a sudden you're down two to one and you're like, what the heck is happening? Mm -hmm. And Rose Lavelle was luckily able to equalize this game late. Um, And you'll see you split points, which is fine. Again, you're fine, but you would have liked to get the three, but I think uh, a little frustrating to deal with that. So, I mean, overall, it's, it's fine. It's okay. You're, it's not the end of the world, but it's like, it's, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, as we look here through the rest of the regular season, they're in, they're in a playoff spot and they're pretty solidly in a playoff spot, but they do technically, they not technically mathematically, they have the chance to move up to first place. I really think they can, they can, um, can Kansas city is in first place currently and they've just been on an incredible run. Um, but we look here. Let's look at the schedule. So they go down to play North Carolina, which the Courage are historically one of the better clubs in the NWSL. But as of late, they're just not, not no bueno. Um, so that's your next match. Ideally, you'd like to get three points out of that. You play. That's the first of three games on the road. After that, you go down to play Gotham. Gotham's they're a tough situation. Um, they've got a good amount of talent on that roster, but they just, they fired their coach a little bit ago. Um, they just lost to Kansas city. Um, let's look at the table here if we can, 
Oh, the Seahawks chant going on outside. Um, let's look at the table here. Yeah, <laughs> Gotham is the lowest team on the table. So, again, North Carolina, they're in eighth. They're kind of on the outside looking into the playoffs. They're in reach, but it's tough for them. Uh, Gotham is at the bottom of the playoffs. I mean, of the entire table. They've lost their last five games. They've lost them all. And then uh, they wrap it up with Houston. And Houston is the fourth team. They're right above you. And that wraps up your uh, your road trip. So two games you should ideally win. And then that game against Houston is a good contest for you, considering that right now they're right above you. Um, and then you wrap up the season at home on October 1st versus the Orlando Pride. And Orlando, I mean, mathematically, I'm sure they're in it, but they're they're out of it as well. So the Reign have all the talent in the world, and I, I, I they, they can do it. But I mean, going on a three game road trip isn't exactly easy. No. Um, and then you come back home to play Orlando before things get real serious. So I think they can handle it, but we'll take it one match at a time. So we look over to team related news here on the seventh. I know last week, Megan Rapino was in player of the week. She upped herself and won player <laughs> of the month. So Pino played in all four of the Reigns uh, matches in August, helping the team to a two win, one loss, one draw record throughout the month. The Reign original po- posted a total of 330 minutes across all four of those games, scoring four goals, including the winner against the Pride on the 26th. In addition to all of these goals, uh, Pino added three assists. She's been incredible with the rain attack. Uh, taking 18 shots, which doesn't include the shots that were blocked, seven of those which were on target. She's 37, 37 year old, created 15 chances for the rain, won 37 of her duels, and took 304 touches. So, really, just kind of leading the attack for the rain up top. Uh, it's her fourth time winning this award after taking home the honor in March 18th. No, pardon me, March of 2018, July of 2017, and most recently, August of 2021. She's tied for the most player of the month honors in the NWSL, along with her former teammate, Kim Little. So that's Kimmy. Um, (laughs) So not only that, not only did Pino win uh, player of the month for August, but she was also named along with teammate Sofia Huerta to the NWSO best 11 of the month of August. So Huerta was as sturdy as they come for the rain. I mean, Sofia, there's, if there's, we look at like value for players on this team. Sofia's right up there with anybody else. Um, and set up the game winning goal in the rain's win over Orlando to earn a spot on the best 11. Whenever Sofia records her next assist, it will tire for the league's career assist record at 30. So Sophia, I remember, so so she's played out of position for a decent amount of her career. And now that her, she's at her left back, her, her outside back spot has been like a rejuvenation for her, which started last year, like midway through last year. I did an interview with Sophia last year at the beginning of the year. And we talked about it, asked about if she wants to play there, she said, I'd love to play there, but that's just not where I'm at right now. And there are a couple interviews I've done where like things go up for that player after that. And I'm like, that's yeah. really cool. I take none. I don't take responsibility. <laughs> um, and we look at Pino. I mean, we just went over all of that with what she's done. So I think those are both two deserving players and Definitely. they've helped lead the charge. And I mean, those two are pretty good veterans, but they're obviously really contributing to this team and everything. So um, it's, it's, you know, we look at look at the Mariners in a playoff hunt. The Rainer in a playoff spot currently. The Sounders are battling for it. Um, out of what the 
and the Storm just were in the playoffs. So out of the teams that were or are actively playing all but one and the Seahawks are just starting their season in a playoff hunt or are in a spot. I mean, this is con- Seattle sports, man. I mean, this is ridiculous. So it's, it's great to see. And I hope that, you know, we obviously all continue to, I mean, the same thing. We're going to go back to it with the merch, with the storm, the rain, the lines are always long and you don't always have the, the, the merchandise to give to these people. So it's like a lot of their money. You got to be better about taking advantage of that. So anyway, uh, pretty good week for the rain, even though they got the draw. Um, in league related news, this one's pretty stunning. I mean, Crystal Dunn, it's unfortunate that she, she plays for Portland, but she's great. Uh, you know, women's national team and Portland Thorn Star is aiming to make her return to the NWSL in the next few weeks. Uh, but this is just four months after giving birth. Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, four months after giving birth. And within the probably this month of September, she'll be back to playing. That's amazing. At a professional level, which is, and Portland's the second best team points wise in the league. So it's not like she's joining some low rate team it's i can't fathom it i won't try to body yeah i <laughs> so the rain sit at a seven win four loss seven draw record they are fifth in the nwsl at 28 points they're in a playoff spot they're three points out of second place and four out of first so if they go on a little bit of run here take the shield yay that would be what i believe their third shield in club history uh looking ahead their next match is september 17th at the nc courage with a 4 30 p.m pacific time start no seawolves news no dragons news we had to star of the week and this was a unanimous pick from us both i could have gone with megan for winning player of the month and going to the 11 but for the lack for the sake of being different both of you and i went with gino do you For want the to sake of being different? We went with the same person. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, so what was what was your decision behind that? Um, there was a. I mean, obviously he's playing phenomenal, and that walk off win. Um, and then in his post game interview with Jen, he said that he knew as long as Julio got on base, they would win. Yeah, yeah. That so was... he went into that super confident um and i love that i just i love that for him so it's been you know i know that a lot of people in cincinnati really loved chino and jesse to see them get traded it was tough when they got traded in their interviews they were obviously upset um not like angry but like there were tears um, and there in, in one of the photos, uh, you can see Gino's got 206 on his cleats. So just to see how those two have really embraced this city is really cool. Um, like you said there with what that quote was, and you tweeted this out because I didn't hear it on the, I, it was on the broadcast, mm-hmm. but what well, it was, uh, this is our city. We have to defend our city. That was really cool. Yeah. I mean, that, if that doesn't give you a sense of pride, I don't know what does for a guy you know, obviously he's not from here, but to be traded here and it's his first year here. Um, at the beginning of the trade, it was kind of like, oh, he's part of it. We were going to eat his salary and to see how he's been producing. He leads the team in homers. Uh, he's played great defense at third base. He's heating up right now. I mean, not heating up. He's heated up. He's like a ball <laughs> he's of <there>. fire. He's <laughs> a, you know, I, that's really special. And so also I'm going to say it's good luck. Uh, he, he asked me how I was doing the morning of that game. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, when it gets announced that the Mariners have clinched playoffs, I will, you can hold me to this. We'll do this 
um, what will that You're be? Dye your hair. The Monday after the wild card, I will <laughs> dye wet hair. I'll dye half of the scalp, like the cruel Deville cut he had. We'll do that. So we're all gonna wig or something. But for Gino, for Gino specifically. So the good vibes continue to roll. They do in Gino's spirit. But this has been really fun. The Mariners have been really fun. The Seahawks season begins tonight at five fifteen Pacific time on Monday Night Football against. Our, what, our ex, Russell Wilson, and the Denver Broncos. The Mariners continue to roll on. They've just beat the world champion Atlanta Braves in, t- t- what, two out of three games. Yes. Uh, the Sounders continue. Well, storm. Uh, damper. I was all excited there. We'll get to our storm recap next week, as well as a recapulation. Recapulation? That's a new word now. Of Sue Bird's <laughs> career. The Sounders have set a great foot forward as they look to continue their postseason streak. The rain remain in a playoff spot and easily could strike ahead forward. Uh, I mean, until we get more and we'll training camp coming up sooner rather than later. Uh, Thank you people behind the camera. Curtis with us here today, helping us set up things on this nice giant green light. Uh, that sometimes hurts my eyes. Oh, we're going to have to look at that for Monday Night Football because that's what the Seahawks are going to look like, yeah. that giant green. Yeah. Uh, all our photographers throughout the weekend, from Matt to Liv to Proof, uh, obviously Bell being here, uh, helping out with things and enjoying the press box ice cream. I don't blame and you. And the it's sprinkles. Cookies and cream. Cookies topping, Oreo topping. They didn't have that the first day I was there, but I got it the second day. <laughs> anyway. Until we see you next week for, wow, we're going to be through the middle of the month of uh, September. That's pretty wild. Until we see you next week with some Seahawks news, some more Mariners news, uh, storm recap, Sounders recap, rain. Until we see you next week, take care of yourself. Be well. Do all right with the air quality. I know it's tough right now with the fires we've got up and along the coast in the state of Washington. So take care of yourself. Hydrate. Try to stay out of it if you can. But uh, until we see you then, do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.